Welcome to the NCEA podcast. I'm your host today, Colleen McCoy-Sika, the Director of Professional Learning for NCEA. Today's episode is sponsored by Frenzy, NCEA Silver Partner. Frenzy provides a biblically-based social-emotional and academic development framework for K-8 classrooms that teaches skills like respect, confidence, problem-solving, communication, and critical thinking that helps students succeed in school and life. We know that relationships with educators are often a substantial asset when motivating students to re-engage with learning. Students with positive peer relationships also tend to have better attitudes about school and their academics. Across the U.S., students are experiencing unprecedented levels of mental health challenges following COVID. Frenzy provides tools to help them and the adults around them cope. We know students crave feeling accepted and valued, and they need strong connections with both their families and their teachers. So my guests today are from Frenzy. I have Julie Widman, Whitney Stovall, and Joy Roberts today on the podcast, and we're going to be talking about key practices for holistic social-emotional health and social-emotional learning with a focus on mental health. So, um, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Colleen. This is Julie, and it is great to be here. And this is Joy. It is always a pleasure to have these conversations. I think they're so real and relevant, and to be able to press in in a holistic way today Mm -hmm. in a short conversation. (laughs) A holistic short. Yes, a holistically (laughs) short conversation. (laughs) And hi, this is Whitney Stovall. I am so excited to be a part of this really important conversation today. So let's start by um, having each of you give a little bit of background about yourselves. So Whitney, let's start with you. Sure, thank you. So I have been a school counselor for the last 10 years, serving all of those in Catholic schools. So I have worked in the Diocese of Memphis for four years, and I've been the last six years in an independent Dominican Catholic school in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, All 10 years I've served pre-K through eighth grade and I have um, truly enjoyed and just love working in Catholic education, really passionate about Catholic ed. Excellent, I think that's what we all have in common here. So happy to have you on the podcast. And Joy, a little bit about your background. Oh, well, I will, um, I always say uh, to Julie and I that (laughs) I have half a brain and Julie has the other half. And so we are collectively the founders. Very strong collectively. Very very strong collectively. (laughs) We are the co-founders or founders of Frenzy, Um, We actually started Frenzy in Catholic schools coming from a citywide program and really have developed a framework that teaches emotional competency skills through the lens of scriptures in the context of a school setting. And so this really flowed out of this desire to address this disconnection that we are seeing in this cultural moment. And and when I say cultural moment, I say before COVID, where we're so technologically connected, but we've become so socially disconnected. And so we've seen that in my children who are now um, young adults and and Julie has younger uh, children, but really passionate about this from an educational standpoint and from teaching 
it through the lens of God's design for healthy relationships and strong communities. And so passionate about this, this topic because our emotional health impacts our spiritual health and well-being. So this whole concept of a mental health and well-being is directly uh, connected to our emotional competency. So as Whitney said, excited to jump into this conversation um, and press in a little bit more. You know, Joy, when I was um, walking around, it, it just for the benefit of the listeners to give a little bit of um, time frame here, I was um, at NCEA convention in New Orleans last week, and Julie and Joy and Whitney were all there for the week as well. And so we're recording this just a few days after all getting home from convention. And I have to tell you, I walked around during every um, professional learning session that was going on, I walked around and jumped into all 16 rooms that had, um, you know, things going on. And when I walked into your room, and so I was only in your room listening to your session for probably, you know, three minutes or so, um, because I had to keep moving. But when I walked into your room, you, Joy, you were talking about the scriptural connection and you are actually quoting scripture and like my heart just was so happy in that moment. It was like the perfect time for me to be walking in, um, you know, at that moment where you are connecting, um, you know, all of God's work to the work that you're doing and, and everything that we do as Catholic educators in Catholic schools. So that was just a beautiful moment. I don't think I got the opportunity to share that with you. You guys were always mobbed at the, uh, at the convention, so we didn't get to talk too much. Ah, <laughs> that is such a sweet sentiment. Thank you, Colleen. <laughs> And so, Julie, give us a little bit of your background, too. Oh, my goodness. Well, as Joyce said, we've been in this for almost a decade now, really prior to COVID, prior to what we're even seeing now. We recognize that students were showing up to school without the skills they needed to navigate the social and emotional landscape. And yet we also saw all of these skills, all of this uh, guidance, right from Genesis to Revelations, pouring out of scripture, we see skills um, that are teachable, skills like respect and confidence and problem solving, communication and critical thinking. And when we teach students these skills, they're able to navigate that landscape. And, and truthfully, the landscape is really hard. We've had collective trauma now that we've been through and still maybe in COVID. We all have experienced collective trauma um, as it comes to COVID-19 and, and all of the experiences that we've come through and been in together. And so now more than ever, there is a need to help students get back into the classroom. We're hearing reports from teachers across the U.S. with, you know, we, we talk a lot about learning loss and you imagine math skills and reading skills, and that is very much an, a challenge and an issue. However, we're also hearing just the outpouring concern of educators seeing students who don't know how to take turns. They don't know how to stand in a line. They don't know how to communicate effectively in a cooperative learning environment. And, and all of the skills that are needed to be successful in those areas are the emotional intelligence skills, which are teachable. And so that's the good mm -hmm. news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well said. So one of the sessions at convention last week that was um, in uh, on the main stage, so in, in the main big room that was very well attended, and we also got a lot of positive feedback online about was the mental health 
um, session, uh, we had a panel of you know practitioners from different parts of the country that were talking about mental health, um, how they've been navigating that with their students and their staff over the last couple of years, and what they're going to be doing moving forward. So I know that this is a very important, timely topic that um, has a lot of interest in it. So I'm happy to be talking about this with you all today. So Julie, let's set the stage for the conversation today. And um, what are your thoughts on on what whether we're actually seeing an increase in stress in children and adults? If you all have been at this for a decade or more with your attention on mental health and social emotional health and emotional intelligence, what, what are we really seeing? Um, have we just begun paying better attention to social, emotional, and mental health in general? Or is there really an increase? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a, a combination of both, Colleen. Definitely, we have destigmatized mental health, which is phenomenal for all of those who are hurting. We know that when there is a mental health challenge, the most one of the most important protective factors is relationships and being able to share that burden with others. And so that destigmatizing of mental health challenges is, is part of it, meaning that we're making it more acceptable to reach out for help, which is, is phenomenal. And we need that. On the flip side, we are seeing an increase in mental health challenges. There's not a, a large amount of data coming out of the 2019, 20, and 21 years, but the data that we do see indicates that teens are struggling, specifically our um, students in the K-12 arena are struggling. In 2020, mental health claims from teens increased by a staggering 97%. Um, and actually right now, 70% of students say that anxiety and depression is a major problem among their peers. And so really when we look at these two points of data, what I believe we're seeing is that no matter what, students are either dealing with this challenge in their own lives or they're sitting amongst their peers and feeling the challenge among their peers as well. Um, and so I, I think it's a combination of both. I would love to hear, Whitney, what you are seeing and, and really your perspective as a counselor, you know, is it this destigmatization? Is it a rise? Is it a little bit of both? What are your thoughts, Whitney? Julie, I think you really um, expressed that very clearly. Um, I would agree completely that we, pre-COVID, were already seeing really increased levels of anxiety and depression. Um, I was lucky enough to get to attend the mental health panel in New Orleans last week, and I came back, and I'm still currently working in my school until we finish this school year, and my husband and I are moving, so I'm lucky to be transitioning to the Frenzy team full-time after the school year. Um, but I came back to school yesterday and was sharing with my principal, I said, sister, this was just such an affirming panel to be a part of, to hear these stories from schools and other parts of the country and realize it's not just our students that are struggling. Um, students are hurting and we definitely know, I can speak from firsthand experience, that my office has been much busier these last two years than the eight prior, really dealing with some high level anxiety and depression among our students, um, you know, including increases in self-harm at a younger age. And so um, one of the gifts of Catholic education is really that we are able to serve the whole child 
um, and we are rooted in our faith. And so I find that um, being able to bring that into the counseling relationship with my students has been really healing, um, but it's been hard. So I would agree completely, Julie, that it's a combo, um, but all of the unsettling kind of, um, you know, this feeling of what's gonna happen, this unsettled feeling that we've all been experiencing, the kids feel it, the teachers and people in the school buildings feel it, and so it's kind of just been a tough place to be. Interesting. So if if you think that your office has been a little bit busier in the last couple of years than the, the prior eight, talk a little bit more about that, Whitney. Um, so what, what has your day today looked like? What's been different about it and have parents been more involved at all in the work that you've had to do on the day-to-day? It's a great question. I'm sure most counselors who are listening to this would say no day looks the same. Um, Every day does look pretty different, um, but that's part of the joy of the work. Um, But to answer your question, I really like to start my day each day um, greeting the students as they enter the school building. I find that um, if I park myself in the gym lobby as students are coming in from carpool, I get an opportunity to welcome my students with a smile, say their name, um, and it really gives me an opportunity to check in with them first thing in the morning. Um, Students spend so much time at school, but we all know that they have Um, big whole lives outside of the school building and things happen in between the school hours. And so I try to um, just really be present in the morning to see the students as they come in. One way that I have noticed um, that increase in anxiety show up in my school, um, and I know that my school's not alone in this, is an increase in that school avoidance or even hesitation in the morning. Um, My littles having some more separation anxiety than what I had seen in years prior. Um, And I think it's just that feeling of security um, and just wondering what's gonna come, the uncertainty of the school day. And so students are a little bit more hesitant. So I find if I spend my time in the morning really greeting them and making sure students are okay um, and helping them settle into the day, that's been really impactful this year. Um, As far as parents, I find that parents, you know, they're dealing with that separation and transition from school to home as well. So I spend a lot of time talking with parents on here's some tips on how to prep students for the school day. Here's some ways to um, have conversations at night to help calm and ease anxiety as students are preparing for what's to come. Um, And so parents, I find, are yearning for better ways to know how to equip their students to support them. Um, And so I find that they've been really open to working um, with me to learn some skills. Um, We've done a lot of parent education as well, and that's been really receptive. Um, So I find parents are really open um, to helping figure out how to support their students. Other things, you know, I spend the majority of my time working in individual and small group sessions with students. So that's ongoing relationships, um, crisis situations that may come up, and a lot of consultation with teachers. Because I find as a school counselor, my ultimate goal is to support the social and emotional health of the student, which we know is then going to help them better perform in class, um, have better behavior in class. Um, I find it's 
next to impossible for us to expect a student who's got some heavy emotional thing on their mind and in their heart to then have to go pay fully attention in math class. Um, that's really challenging. So I find um, I spend a lot of time with the students just one-on-one -on -one and helping them better adjust to what's going on in their day. So in thinking about that and in, in the, knowing that there is just an additional necessity for students to have the kinds, these extra kinds of supports. Um, Joy, I'm, I'm gonna throw this next idea to you. And it, when I'm thinking about, you know, I, I, was a, I was a high school principal. And so at my high school, of course, I had counselors and my students could go to the counselors for whatever they needed. We also had advisories and they had, so they had an advisor that they could check in with. We had all of these uh, kind of adult supports in place for students um, to meet, you know, these additional needs. But elementary schools do not always have um, all of those supports. And since your work is very focused on K to eight, um, let's talk about that a little bit. So even now, um, when the need is so high, all elementary schools do not have counselors on staff. So with that in mind, how would you advise schools to go about developing those kind of those tier one, just a, a very supportive overall general environment, which is I think where the bulk of your work probably focuses. And then also those tier two supports for students around mental health, whether they have a counselor or not. So Joy, let, let's start with you on that. Uh, thanks, Colleen. I, this is like what you're get, really getting to the root of is this is why frenzy actually exists. Just wanting to provide holistic to support to schools to help them build one of the foundational components to emotional well-being is relationship. Like if you listen to Whitney as she shared about what she's doing, she is literally laying a foundation of positive points of connection with students. She's greeting them in the morning. She's noticing when students are off or when big emotions show up. She's engaging relationally with the parents. Again, highly, highly relational. So when we look at tier one support, that is one of the, the foundational components. And honestly, in working with teachers and educators, we feel overwhelmed. Teachers prior to COVID had a whole bunch on their plates that they're managing. And yet 93% of our educators are wanting to implement social and emotional learning in the classroom because as Whitney said, when we address these proactively, this is that tier one support that you're talking about, it aids in the learning process. It de-escalates big emotions. It gives students coping skills so that they can set aside those emotions and those pain points and engage in the learning process holistically. And so 93% of teachers are doing, are attempting to do that work, but they are overwhelmed by having a framework that supports them in doing that. And so when you think about what can we do, I think what we can do is provide teachers with a framework so that they can engage in this process. They're looking for that. They're asking for that. They're wanting, wanting that. And so Julie, do you have thoughts specifically on that? Well, I also know that what comprehensive or holistic social emotional learning does at its core is it reinforces that positive climate and culture on a campus. And so when we carve out specifically time to focus on relationships, to teach these skills that are helpful in navigating the social emotional context, 
it helps all students and it helps all teachers. And many schools have, have had an increase in enrollment. Many schools have had changes in teaching staff. All of those changes affect the culture and the ethos of your school environment. And so not only does this focusing on relationships help in the mental health and anxiety standpoint, it also helps just create a classroom culture and climate that is welcoming, that is accepting, that creates a sense of belonging and connection among peer-to-peer teacher to student and then teacher to teacher. So it really helps the entire student body and staff navigate challenging times with a place of relationship. Great, thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, a lot of what we're, a lot of what we're talking about here has to do with, um, you know, the, the responsibility of the teachers to create this climate and culture in the classroom and and the supports that they need to be able to do that so let's let's move toward um you know that that idea specifically and give some advice what is your best advice for teachers and what are the key practices in the classroom that create those healthy safe environments for all kids and whitney why don't we start with you on this one sure thank you so the way I think about it, especially in Catholic education, is we were created to be in communion with one another. And I think everything that Joy and Julie just shared about that relational piece, it really is so important to invest on the front end in developing those relationships within, within the classroom. So whether that's some fun get to know you activities at the beginning of the year, um, opportunities for daily connection with your peers, you know, and I know Frenzy has so many incredible resources with daily check-ins, with um, some fun conversation starters among the peers. And so any opportunities to encourage Increase that vulnerability and that safe space in the classroom um, to encourage empathy and understanding among their peers and for the teacher to really get in and dig into those conversations with the students and to be real with them um, you'll see that goes a long way we know that students who feel seen and heard and loved um, exactly as they are are going to give us their best and so really investing in those relationships from the front end is really really helpful um Whitney I'll jump in this is Joy um in addition to our relationships with students what we're seeing a lot of Colleen is how we support educators in building relationships and so I was looking at data um, on turnover because I think we're looking at teacher turnover it's at unprecedented levels um, across the board um, just from burnout and ongoing stress and all of those components but one of the things that um, mitigates or reduces teacher turnover is positive relationships so building not only building that positive climate and culture for students but actually investing in building a solid leadership team where teachers feel seen, heard, known, and valued, where we're creating space in the schedule for teachers to collaborate with each other. We're creating space in the schedule for student or for teachers to have time uh, to plan out their day. Um, to, and again, addressing their own mental health, wellness, and being um, to really de-escalate and unplug from, from the day-to-day -day activities so that they can engage in planning. 
but also so that they can engage in cooperative um, teaching and relationship building with with their fellow teachers so that there's an understanding that we're not in this alone. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things or the value that I saw of the NCEA conference and one of the things that came up in our session is we had a large group discussion and so there was this space for there to be a collective recognition of what educators were facing, not individually, but collectively. And I literally could feel a mm -hmm. sigh of relief in the room as teachers realized that it's not just me, it's not just my class, this is happening with all of us. And so that ability to connect and build relationship between educators, I think is really, really important as we're talking about reducing stress, mitigating turnover and promoting positive climate and cultures because if it doesn't start with our teachers it's going to have a really hard time trickling down into our students in our school communities so i've been um, looking at a little bit of research myself lately um, specifically on uh, leadership and creating work environments that are um, that are healthy that are inclusive um, where people can uh, be comfortable collaborating, where there is respect, and that's in the adult world. And so there's there is also you know research being done over the last couple of years, in particular looking at how organizational leaders can create these types of environments for the people who work for them. And so all of these skills that you uh, you know have been discussing today, the problem solving, the communication, the confidence, all of those things, these are not just things that we're trying to teach children to cope in the adult world. These are also things that we are, are working on our adult leaders to create in the workplaces where people are going. These are just human needs is what it comes down to. So um, that is why they are so very important. These are the skills that, that really make the world go round. So I, I really want to thank you ladies for all of the work that you do. Um, before we sign off, I, I'm going to give Julie the opportunity to give any um, closing remarks, any last thoughts before we wrap for the day. Oh, Colleen, thanks so much. You know, <clears throat> when you're sharing, I just think this is God's design for his people and not only for us as his image bearers, as his children, but for us as a community of believers. You know, we are designed to love him and love others. And, and you're right, we can lead well. We can all rise together um, in this uh, and take on this, this new uh, experience that we're having post-COVID. I believe that we are better together, that we need each other, and that together we can do more than any one of us could do alone. And so there's hope. There's hope that there's people you know, leaning into the research that are gleaning what we can from what the research is showing. And there's also hope because there's practitioners uh, doing really good work on campuses. And as we cultivate a climate that is accepting and feels warm and loving and uh, really exemplifies our faith, that's when we can expect the culture to really change. And so Colleen, thanks for the work that you're doing. We are here to support schools, kindergarten through eighth grade with biblically-based social-emotional learning. And at Frenzy, we believe that um, we can do better and, and together we can do better. So we just love having time to talk with you today. Yeah, I agree. Each time I have a conversation with you all, it just, uh, you know, kind of 
restores my faith in, in all things that are good and all things that we know to be important about the places where we spend so much of our time, whether that is at school or at work. So thanks so much, ladies. I want to thank Joy Roberts, Whitney Stovall, and Julie Widman for joining me today. And thanks so much to Frenzy for their continued support of Catholic schools and their partnership with NCEA. And of course, I would like to thank our listeners for joining us today on another NCEA podcast.